the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is 4 o'clock. Southern California Live on KKLA. I'm Bob Lapine. Friday afternoon. And I want to talk about you and your screen. Now, be- before you go, okay, I got to tune out of this because this is just going to be too convicting. We th- There's a lot for us to talk about here. But uh, before we dive into that, we want to check in with what's going on in the uh, the. Uh, a Chips for Kids toy drive that has been going on here at KKLA all day. Started at 6 this morning. We have had listeners, a lot of you who have come by, come through the the roundabout here at uh, our building at 701 North Brand, dropped off toys. I think we, do we have David James available? David, are you there? Okay, we're, we're, uh, we're trying to figure things out if we can connect with David, but just let you know we got an hour left for you to swing by, drop off your toys in the roundabout. We had somebody come through earlier today with a couple dozen toys that they dropped off, and it was interesting in talking with him. He said, I've, I've been there. I've been to where uh, my kids didn't have anything for Christmas, and I want to make sure other kids can wake up on Christmas morning. I love the fact that we're building a bridge to – these communities through the California Highway Patrol, they'll be the ones delivering these toys. So so we hope you'll check it out. You've got an hour left. You can swing by, drop off your toys, and uh, make Christmas a little brighter for folks this year with the Chips for Kids toy drive that's going on. Again, our uh, offices are in Glendale, 701 North Brand, off the 134 you can just type in 701 North Brand Glendale, and uh, that'll get you here. And we'll be happy to uh, to take your toys when you come through. All right? Okay. I want you to think about the rectangle that you've got on the seat in your pocket, wherever it is. The one that all of us are carrying around here. It's hard to believe the very first iPhone hit the market in 2008. That's, that's 13 years ago iPhones have been around only for 13 years. And most of us had no idea when we picked up our first iPhone or our first device like an iPhone, maybe you're an Android user, whatever it is. Most of us had no idea that this rectangle was about to become omnipresent. Not only omnipresent, but it would keep us connected to to everything all the time. We didn't realize how access to a portable internet-connected device, a screen, was going to change our lives, change our relationships, change our kids, change our families. So I want to spend time talking about that with you this afternoon. I've got a friend who's, who's joining us to do this David Murrow is going to join us on Southern California Live, and let me just say hi to him to begin with. David, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Have we got you there? There you are, David. Hello. 
Yes, I'm on the line. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I love having you here. And do I understand right that you have you have gone from one of the coldest spots in the country to one of the hottest spots in the country? Did you just migrate from Anchorage to Phoenix? <laughs> well, you know, um, if you can, if you just look at a thermometer, and you can probably tell where I am. <laughs> David is an author, he's a speaker, he's a video producer, he's a writer and inventor. He's written a number of books, including uh, Why Men Hate Going to Church, What Your Husband Isn't Telling You, and his latest book is called Drowning in Screen Time. And David, it's interesting in the book, you talk about the fact that your dad, who grew up long before uh, the iPhone was around, you say your, your dad had a screen problem, right? You know, he did. Um, if In the Murrow House, we started the day with the Today Show, and we ended it with the Tonight Show. If we were at home and awake, the television was on. And as I grew up and got older, you know, I really began to resent that because I didn't really have my dad's full attention. He was, he was plugged into his TV all the time. And I vowed never to make that mistake as an adult. Well, of course, I fell into the, the same addiction he did. And my family, when the, when the laptop came along, I just began to zone out in my laptop in the evenings. You know, and it wasn't immoral content. I was just, you know, I was checking the news and my email, and but I was just neglecting the things that were most important. And so, you know, which is surprising because I work in the television business. You would think, I know what, I know how these things addictive they are, but I still managed to fall into the trap that I set for myself. So that's why I decided to write the book. Is It's based on my 40-year career in television, and I kind of give people an insider's view into how screens really do work and, and how they change our personalities and, and addict us. I loved, I remember getting off of an airplane in Houston years ago. This is pre-iPhone. This is when I had a trio. You remember the trio? Yes, I do. Yeah, so I had my little, it was my phone, but I could also do email. I got off of an airplane in Houston. I, I downloaded my email. I responded to one as I was walking to my next gate, and I remember putting it away and going, this is great. I mean, I, there was just this <laughs> sense of, of well-being and peace and euphoria that I was this connected. I, I thought this this was great, and it is, you know, there there are parts of it that are great, and, and we, oh, we, yeah. we don't want to throw the yeah. baby out with the bathwater here. There are parts of it that are, are great. So how do we differentiate? How do we regulate our own lives so that we can use the tool without the tool consuming us? Well, let me, let me, I think, uh, let me get to a foundational comment that I, that I come up with Christians all the time. A lot of believers think that if we just stay away from the bad stuff, that we don't have a screen problem. Just stay away from the porn, the bad language, the violence, all these sorts of things, you know, the devil stuff. And then we're fine. But the problem is not even so much, that, that's definitely a problem, the immoral content. But what I'm seeing with Christians now is they are, we're having the problem of displacement. We are watching so many hours every day of screen content, whether it's cable news or surfing the web or time on social media, that this is displacing more important things. It's displacing our attention for our children. It's displacing prayer. Uh, you know, those moments in the airport, like you just mentioned, Bob, where you were just sitting there waiting for your bag. You know, I used to pray during those times. Now I'm tempted to pick up my phone and check the news or play Candy Crush Saga. <laughs> and it's just it's getting in the way of real life. It's pushing real life away. And one of the uh, parables that I use in the beginning of my book is the parable of the Matrix. Everybody's familiar with that movie. 
you know, we all plug ourselves into a giant machine that simulates reality for us. And I, you know, I always wondered, well, how could the machines trick us into plugging ourselves into this alternate reality? Well, guess what? It's coming. It's called the metaverse. Yeah. It's right around the corner. And um, there's billions of dollars behind it. And it's just, as Christians, we have to stay grounded in real life, in the real world. We cannot cede our attention to the electronic world, or we're going to fail as followers of Christ, as, as, uh, as men and women. And that's the warning that I, that I'm, the warning bell that I'm ringing. For people who have heard that term, the metaverse, and, and heard uh, Facebook is, is becoming meta, and, and this, is, this is where we're headed, but they go, I don't know what that means or what I should be alert to. Can, have you got your arms wrapped around that? Can you explain that to us? Well, I do. I can, a couple of movies would help. If you've ever seen The Matrix, or there's another one called Ready Player One. I don't yeah. know if you saw that movie. Yeah. But it, it's a, it describes an immersive world where people wear uh, headsets and live the vast majority of their existence in this artificial realm. And there are rewards, and you get coins, and those translate to real-life real, real life rewards. And, and it, it's just a seeding of real life. And the... the uh, world that they exist in is kind of a dystopian future. They live in buses and RVs and stacked on top of each other. Um, and that's one of the things that the, that the uh, media world kind of tends to do to us. It tells us seven, eight hours a day that the world is falling apart and you need to retreat into our products to escape from this terrible world we live in. So, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand. All the media companies have two, two divisions. They've got a, a news division to scare you. And they've got an entertainment vision, division to soothe you once you're scared. So they make money going, coming and going. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this commercial. Maybe you've seen it during the, the holidays here for, uh, is it the Oculus device, the, the headset that you put on mm-hmm. and, you, and you're playing games? And the two guys are in the apartment right next to one another, and they don't know each <laughs> other, but they're playing the game, and they're kind of annoyed with their neighbor who they've never met, but that's who they're playing the game with. That's a little bit of what this proposed future looks like? Yeah, that, that, the, the Oculus is really Metaverse 1.0. It's not really a complete life experience yet. It's something you put on and take off. But if you think about screen time 100 years ago, if you wanted screen time in uh, 1921, you had to go to a movie theater. And you were there for, you know, maybe 90 minutes or however long the movie lasted, an hour and a half if it was a double feature, you know, two hours if it was a double feature. And then you, you metaphorically, you took the movie off and you spent the other 166 hours a week in real life. Well, that's where we are right now with the metaverse. You put the things on, you're on for a couple hours, and then you're off. But the future of the metaverse is, and what these, these tech entrepreneurs are seeing, is a world where we never take the glasses off, or we very rarely do, you know, maybe to take a shower or something. But we live in this artificial realm, and quite frankly, a lot of people are pushing back, and rightly so. All of a sudden, what you wrote in your book uh, just a year ago is, I mean, it's in hyperdrive, and, and we have got to... We've got to recognize the difference between the screen world and the real world and not get just sucked in by by the lure of the screen. Why, why is it so enticing for us? I do this. You know, if, I, if, mm-hmm. if I've got 30 seconds of downtime, my natural impulse is to reach for my phone and check something. Why is that what I'm, I'm so inclined to do these days? Well, uh, in the the book, I start with five different parables, and one of and I, two of them are based around the biblical character of King David. 
before David was a king, you know, he was a humble shepherd boy. And so I tell the story about how he's out just tending his sheep and nothing much ever happens. But then all of a sudden a wolf shows up in the flock and he has he, his brain goes into hyper arousal and he pulls out a stone and he repels it with the wolf by, you know, the sling, his famous slingshot and all this. And I talk about the metabolic changes that happen when something new happens. And this is how, we ha- how God created us. We have a, a very advanced surveillance and warning system when, new thing, when we see new things. Because, because novelty is always something that you can eat or something that can eat you. Our brains are designed for a monotonous world with a little bit of novelty, and we respond very strongly to that. Well, until 2007... Novelty was something still that was novel, but now we have an unlimited supply of novelty in our pockets through our iPhones and our Androids. We can literally summon wolves anytime we want, and that keeps our brains in a state of hyper-arousal. And that may be one of the reasons why we're so tired, why we're getting so depressed. Uh, we, we keep stimulating our brains with novelty and, and, and this dopamine shot, but our brains were not meant to be on high alert or high stimulation all the time. And it's really wreaking havoc, especially with younger people. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say teenagers are are the ones who are maybe the most uh, dependent and addicted to their to their screens, and and mental health issues and and depression are are skyrocketing uh, among teenagers. And you you say there's a connection between the screens and the the meta world and and uh, the depression that they're experiencing, right? Yes, and it's, it's just been documented. You know, Facebook had internal documents. Instagram had internal documents that, that showed which posts caused the most mental health issues, especially with girls. And if we can go back to King David's time, um, if you think about the world that we grew up in, our ancestors grew up in, we were in small little towns and villages. And in a village, there might be five girls of eligible age who were trying to capture David's attention. Well, now, how many girls do uh, young ladies have to uh, compete against online? When they go to Instagram, thousands of beautiful women who have, you know, artificially, digitally enhanced their bodies and their faces with these different software programs. I mean, the competition is extremely intense, and, and it, it causes women to, to despair. All these social media influencers with their perfect hair and their beautiful homes and these perfect image-crafted lives. It really causes, particularly young women, to feel alone and to feel that they simply cannot compete. We're talking with David Murrow. He's written a book called Drowning in Screen Time, which is what we're talking about, because I think we've got to be aware of the fact that there's a lot going on with our devices and our screens. And if we're not being purposeful and intentional about how we utilize these tools, we'll just find ourselves sucked in the undertow and maybe find ourselves uh, downwind from where we need to be. In fact, David, I'm wondering, you know, with if you're dealing with uh, addicts, oftentimes you say to them, uh, moderation is not going to work for you. You just need, uh, you, you can't be a social drinker or a recreational user of substances. you you got to cut it off completely. Is it possible for somebody to have a healthy relationship with a screen, or do some people just need to smash them with their uh, with their <laughs> hammer and and uh, completely unplug from their devices? Well, I talk about I, I have four different characters in one of my parables. I talk about moderate Mike, excessive Eddie, addicted Albert, and um, there's one other. He escapes, escapes me right now, but I, I have an evaluation tool, and I say 
you know, how do you use screens? Are you a moderate mic? Are you able to just use them for a few moments and then put them away? Are you excessive eddy? Are you using screens to excess but for noble purposes? Or are you a dishonorable Dan? That's my other character. Are right. you using screens for purposes that um, undermine your character? Or are you addicted Albert? And so there's a little quiz that you can take in my book and kind of helps you evaluate which one of those four characters you are. If you're addicted, Albert, then you absolutely need to do a digital detox. You need accountability. If your issue is pornography and sexual content, you need to use a product like Covenant Eyes or some other accountability software that will uh, keep you from going down those roads. Because, you know, like I said, screens provide you that dopamine hit, and that's the same thing narcotics do. Hmm. And so it is, you know, some people poo-poo, oh, you can't get addicted to screens. Well, we're seeing it right now in China. Uh, they, they have addiction clinics all over the country for young men who have become addicted and hooked to video games and pornography. And they are trying desperately. They are losing a generation of young men to these, to, to these uh, uh, screen-based addictions. And I, I fear it's happening here, is, but, it, but, you know, we're not, it's not, not making the headlines like it does over there. So well, yeah, he- to answer your question, you do have to completely unplug if you are an addicted Albert. Here, here's the thing. Most addicts don't know that they're addicts. In fact, you go to most addicts and say, you know, you've got a problem and they're going to go, I don't have a problem. I can put this down anytime I want to. So, <laughs> so anybody who's listening, if we'd say, maybe you're addictive, Albert, everybody's going, no, not me. Do we need somebody else to tell us? How, how can we diagnose whether it really is a problem for us or whether we've got a handle on it? Well, there's an old saying in recovery. If 10 people tell you, you have a tail, it's time to turn around and look. So um, I think I, I, I think that community is one way to get there, and the church, and um, you know, listen to your friends, listen to your relatives. I had to, I had to listen to my family in 2003. You know, I thought, well, I'm just watching, I'm just looking at my laptop a little bit at night. No, I was ignoring my precious children. And one of the hardest things they ever had to do was come to me and say, "Dad, we're feeling ignored." And by the grace of God, when I felt that angry feeling, and no, I I felt like justifying myself, the Holy Spirit came to me and said, David, you need to listen to your kids, and he shut my mouth. So if you're an addicted Albert or, you know, excessive Eddie, or you're using the the screens for good purposes but too much, you know, you're watching six or eight hours of cable news or whatever, you have to evaluate yourself, but you also have to listen to the, the words of those people you trust and then be willing to allow them to intervene and take action in your life. David Murrow is joining us uh, this afternoon. He's written a book called Drowning in Screen Time. And I, I'm thinking this is this is one of those books that people look at and go, yeah, I, put that away. I don't want to read that book. It might be convicting. <laughs> it might be, you know, who, who wants to buy a book that's going to that's going to dress them down? Who's this book written for, David? Well, uh, to address your concern about it being a dressing down. You know, I, you know me, Bob. We've done several interviews together, and I try to keep things humorous. I try to keep them light. And, uh, you know, that's been the reviews, that the book is helpful and not condemnation. I really don't yeah. want to leave people in a place of feeling guilty. Because, you know, the solutions to these problems are relatively easy if you will take them. So the target audience for my book is, is uh, people like pastors, for example, who are dealing with these issues in the church, youth ministers. Uh, teachers who are dealing with these issues in the classroom, and of course, parents. Yeah. And the, the primary advice I give to parents is, before you start to intervene on behalf of your children, you need to make sure that your nose is clean as well. 
we're hearing from a lot of kids that they are feeling ignored by their parents because their parents are either, you know, trying to photograph everything for Instagram so they can win social media or they're on their they're watching TV while they're on their laptops and they've got their phone next to them and they are ignoring their kids. And there's another phenomenon that I describe in the book called uh, being alone together. And this is where families have family time, but everybody's got their own device. <laughs> so they're physically present, but their brains are in the metaverse. And so we, we really got to avoid that, uh, that sort of uh, dysfunction, or it will bring your family down. David Burroughs joining us. You can join us as well. In fact, I'd be curious to know, do you think you have a problem with screens? Do you think somebody in your family has a problem with screens? Uh, have you done something about it, either for yourself or with a family member, to try to intervene? What have you done? What's worked? Uh, the number to call is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We're talking about drowning in screen time. And when we come back, David, I want to ask you what steps you've taken with with your own, to, to curb your own, like do you have rules and boundaries you put up around yourself. We'll talk about that. And then I also want to know how you would counsel parents who have got kids who are, I mean, they're on their screens all the time. And mom and dad go, I don't know what to do other than just say, I'm taking your phone away. We will uh, continue the conversation. Join us if you'd like at 888-52-TALKS. Back with more on Southern California Live on KKLA in just a minute. Snow, let it snow, let it snow. Southern California Live on KKLA. I'm Bob Lapine. It is uh, 427. We're talking about your screen addiction, your kids' screen addiction, how all of us, most of us, are drowning in screen time. David Murrow is joining us. He's written a book by that name. Before we get back to David, I'd get to your phone calls at 888-52-TALKS. Now, we're going to check in with David James, who is uh, downstairs in front of the KKLA studios where we've been seeing listeners all day today swing through and drop off toys for kids in our uh, Toys for Chips toy drive. Right, Dave? Oh, my goodness, Bob. It has been an outpouring of love for children who otherwise would not have gifts for Christmas. And uh, truly remarkable. I'm looking at some of the gifts right now. Lincoln Logs. Uh We've got uh, matchbox cars, and um, there's even some puzzles and a, and a bike. And so here's the thing. If you're anywhere, Bob, we're inviting all a KKLA family. If there's anyone within the 134 and Brand exit, 134 freeway at Brand, 701 North Brand, swing by and, and bring some new unwrapped toys, even some gift cards. You know, Swing by uh, Walgreens or Rite Aid or whatever, grab a couple of gift cards because what's going to happen is, as I mentioned, children who otherwise would not have a gift will receive a gift because of our because of our kindness. And if there's anything that we need, Bob, you know, you've been talking about it all in the last couple hours. You know, there needs to be there needs to be some kindness brought back. Um, right. And and we can do that for children uh, right here in the Southland through Chips for Kids, all presented by uh, America's Christian Credit Union. So, Bob, as you get back to David talking about that screen time, you know, I'm going to be interested in hearing his thoughts about how to get, you know, when you've got your entire family, um, you know, on phones, you're spending quality time together, yet everybody's on their device. It's like, okay, what are some creative ways other than saying, get off your phone, you know? Uh, (laughs) 
So what we're doing with all these toys, to tie it right back up, Bob, is all of these children, there's not going to be a screen time. They're going to be out <laughs> doing some bonding with somebody, whether it's friends or a dad who lost a job or was furloughed because of this wonkiness we've been in. They'll be able to go outside. They'll be able to ride bikes. They'll be able to throw a Frisbee or a soccer ball or, you know, even, you know, have tea with his daughters, you know, with some <laughs> of the dollies and stuff that are here. Scrabble, learning how to have some some different kinds of words and having uh, better speech. All that stuff happens, Bob, with these gifts, the kindness being shown to children all throughout Southern California. Well, and we're so grateful for listeners who have uh, who have been by and uh, again, about 30 minutes still left to go that you can stop by the studios, drop off uh, toys. We, we have gotten a few screens. We've gotten some Etch-a-Sketches and, and I'll, I'll just I'll ask David Murrow, Etch-a-Sketches, that's a different kind of screen, right, David? Uh, that's on the David Murrow's approved list. Approved screen. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we're, uh, by the way, inviting listeners to join us, 888-52-TALKS. If you've, got, if you've got screen issues, I'm thinking about parents of teens because, I mean, I see teenagers on devices almost nonstop. There, there's a... Uh, well, I, I don't think they're listening, so I think this is okay to say. A, a, a young person who works at our church and, and does the slides during Sunday morning worship keeps the lyrics up in front of, of people. And I noticed one Sunday that the song lyrics weren't on the screen right. And I found out, oh, she'd, she'd been distracted by her by her screen, by her phone. It, it's just, it's endemic that among teenagers, that link to the device is, it, it's, it's, uh, almost like they need a surgical removal. Yes. Well, I mean, it, and it's a different strategy for young children than older, you know, the teens. Once that genie's out of the bottle, it's very hard to put it back in. Uh, with the young kids, start from a very early age. Uh, first of all, never give them their own screen device. Don't put a TV in their bedroom. Don't give them one of these little laptops or, or tablets. Because what that does is that gets them used to being lord of their own personal digital kingdom. Whenever they're bored, they can immediately turn to a screen that is their own, and that habituates them to going to a screen anytime they want to shot a dopamine. So an so iPad or a, a Kindle device for, for an 8-year-old, you're saying, uh-uh, don't do that? Terrible idea, yeah, because, because you're training them at the moment of boredom to go to a screen rather than to go to their toy box or go to a friend or go build a relationship or go outside and build a treehouse, the things we used to do when we were kids, you know? Right. Um, those activities are still possible, and they're tremendously helpful, but they're being, again, preempted by screen time. So don't let kids have their own devices. Um, one of the devices I give to parents is you want to implement screen-free evenings. At dinner time, all the phones get turned in, put on chargers, all the TVs get turned off, all the iPads get put away, and you have analog evenings, family reading, blanket forts, Anything that you can do to engage your family in the analog world after dinner or at dinner and then afterwards is a tremendously helpful thing. So have screen-free evenings. The, 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 the exception would be like to do something together on a screen, like a, a family movie night. That would be different. But you I, just heard, I just that, heard that some parents. I just heard parents going, there's going to be revolution at my house if I say, hey, it's dinner. <laughs> Everybody turn in your screens and, and we're going to have a screen free evening. The kids are going to not, they're, they're going to think that dad's lost his mind. Yeah, it, but you've got to make the change incrementally. If you could just do maybe one night a week to start with, 
I think you probably could keep the insurrection to a minimum. <laughs> um, the, 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 the analogy that a lot of uh, parents I've heard use, my kids become Gollum. You know, my precious, you know, they, they become completely addicted to their screens. And if you take it away, they, they hiss and moan and turn into monsters. So, um, and the other thing that parents need to be very aware of is that predators now, they no longer hang out in the bushes. They hang out on devices. Right. They used to come in through an unlocked door. Now they come in through an unmonitored device. And so you've really got to stay on top of your children's screen use. I don't recommend personal devices of any kind until you're in the eighth grade. If you want to give your kid a phone, give them a flip phone. And actually, a lot of kids think that's cool. Wow, what is that? It's a flip phone. Awesome. Wow, I've never seen one. Um, They're kind of coming back. Um, But then even when you're in uh, eighth grade, there are devices that are specifically made for kids. I'm not shilling for this company, but there's a company out there called Gab Wireless that makes a smartphone that only does safe activities. It only makes phone calls. You can't send pictures. There's no Snapchat. There's no sexting. None of that stuff can go on. So, you know, there are phones out there that are safe for teenagers. And be sure and check those out um, and get one of those. Don't give them an unlocked iPhone or they're going to be contacted by uh, undesirables and they're going to find information there that information is going to find them that you would not approve of. We're talking to David Murrow, author of the book Drowning in Screen Time. What have you set up for yourself as your own personal screen boundaries, and do you lapse and have to uh, uh, go back into detox to uh, to, to get back <laughs> into the program? You know, I, I'm still as susceptible as anyone, even after writing this book. But, uh, you know, just one of the exercises I do is um, when, it, when I was new to this, I would put a, a rubber band on my uh, wrist. And if I picked up my screen, my phone, you know, without thinking of it, I'd snap myself. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of into self-flagellation. I don't know. But um, I, I, I need that tangible reminder that I'm not supposed to be using my screen, my screen to fill in those empty spaces in my time. I should be using those for prayer, for contemplation, for meditation, for all the things God calls me to do, you know, being a, a better man. Hmm. So um, fortunately, you know, I did not become a big TV addict. One of the things I tell people is do not turn on your TV just for background noise in the house. That's more my wife's thing. Hmm. And we've found victory in that area due to streaming music. We now stream a gentle music in the house rather than having TV noise in the house. And that's helped us a lot as well. So a lot of little boundaries, little victories. Um, We try not to watch TV before bed. Um, so that our brains aren't hepped up and uh, that sort of thing. But yeah, just these little little victories, we're happy to enjoy and rejoice in those. Okay, the parents who are going to be going on a road trip for Christmas and mm-hmm. who are thinking the only way we survive between here and <laughs> wherever we're going, five hours in the car, is if the three-year-old has got a screen to look at. That's Is that okay if if we do that just, you know, as a as a survival technique to get from point A to point B in the car? Well, let me make a distinction. There's two types of screen time. There's interactive screen time and passive screen time. And one revs the brain up way more than the other. Passive screen time is watching a movie. You don't interact with the movie at all. You just simply watch a movie as presented by the filmmaker. Interactive screen time would be social media, uh, creating things on the computer, and video gaming. That's where you're actually manipulating things on the screen. And what researchers are finding is that interactive media is much more addictive, much harder on the brain, much more strain, and and, and puts way more strain on our mental resources. 
and will lead us to feel fatigued or depressed or whatever. So if you want to, you know, pop in a couple of uh, movies for your kids while you're traveling or as a, as a calm down time after school, that's not going to be nearly as bad for them as if you just hand them a game controller and let them go crazy on games for eight hours. So, yeah, if you're driving across country, go ahead, pick a, a couple of really good movies, let them watch those. But I would really caution you with interactive uh, screen time because that's really going to rev their brains up. Yeah, I want to ask you, and, and we'll take a break and, and come back on, on the other side of this, but uh, we've been talking primarily about iPhones and, and iPads and, and those kinds of devices. I want to ask about the Xbox and the video gaming and uh, the the different you you've just helped us a little bit with the difference between the two, but I also know that uh, video game addiction is is a serious thing not just for for young kids but for twenty and thirty somethings. We're we're continue the conversation. We're talking with David Murrow about how all of us are drowning in screen time. Uh, you're invited to join the conversation at eight 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 fifty two talks eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. It all continues after this time out on Southern California Live on KKLA. Sixteen minutes before five o'clock, Southern California Live on KKLA. I'm Bob Lapine. We're talking about your screens, about your kids' screens, about how the screens have become so dominant. We're talking with David Murrow, who is the author of a book called drowning in screen time and i would say this this is a great book for families to uh to read through together a great book for moms and dads to to get a handle on this i don't know if you're experiencing this but um we've been talking about iPhones and iPads and those kinds of screens i i want to talk about video gaming which david it seems to me this is more of an issue with parents who are raising sons than parents who are raising daughters but there's i I was checking this out the the dsm-5 the the medical journal has video game addiction as an entry for doctors and there are treatment centers for people who are addicted to video games this is this has become something in the last 10 to 20 years that's become very serious hasn't it yeah and i mentioned in the first segment a quarter of chinese men young men have had to go through these detoxes. There's something about Chinese culture, the way those boys are raised, that absolutely addicts them, enslaves them to these machines. And it's also coming to our shores as well. Uh, boys are heavy, heavier console gamers. They find their community online with games. They put these headphones on, and they have you know racy boy-type conversations. Uh, they feel like they can't quit the game because they'd be quitting their friends. And if you think about all the roles that have been stripped away from men, you know, we're no, a lot of us are no longer warriors, heroes, or fighters anymore. You know, we work in tech jobs. But then we get into our avatar, and we're this big, buff, you know, alien-killing machine. You know, we get to fulfill all these male roles that have been taken away from men in the last hundred years. And we get to be these heroes that we're not in real life. And so, you know, with the marginalization of masculinity and these sorts of things, it's a very attractive escape for men, and it keeps them from participating in real life. So are you? would you say an Xbox in the home is a no-no, or would you say it's just one of those tools that you can have it and have some fun with it, just put the guardrails up around it? Yeah, a parental, parental guidance limits is definitely important. 
Um, there is a software for these machines now that can disconnect them from the Internet at certain times. There are uh, routers that will disconnect them. You can give your kids a certain amount of time on their machines. So, yeah, it's, it's about the guardrails. It's about the games they play. And you need to be very careful if they're speaking to people over headphones because they say, hey, yeah, I'm just talking to my friend. Well, that may not be a friend on your line. That could be a predator. Yeah. So you need to be very, very, very careful about who they're speaking to online. And the specific games, some of these games are very violent, and some of them are very pornographic, aren't they? They are. Um, so that would be, but, you know, that would be something you could see just by seeing the screen. So, yeah, you need to put your foot down. You need to, you know, focus on the family as a great resource for parents that are uh, wanting to evaluate movies and video games. And you can go on their website, you can type in the name, and they'll tell you, you know, if they, if they pass, focuses, uh, you know, standard for that sort of thing. So there, you know, the good thing is, as Christian parents, there are resources online. <laughs> Go to your screen and briefly check them, <laughs> and uh, you can find out whether these things are, are going to be acceptable for your kids. What are the best uses of our... I, I'm, think, I'm a grandparent, so the fact mm-hmm. that I can FaceTime with my grandkids or that we can do... We can all get together on a Zoom call and have... I mean, we're all in different states, but we can all be together... There, there are some real advantages. We, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater here, can we? Mm-hmm. No, and we, you know, the advantages are obvious to us. The, the, the um, problems behind those advantages is what we're not aware of. You know, our screens give us almost godlike powers. We can see things that are happening halfway around the globe. I have a daughter who lives in Australia. And uh, they've been in COVID lockdown. I have a grandson down there I've never met except through screens. So, you know, what a blessing and what a miracle. But with godlike powers come godlike responsibilities. You remember, you know, Jim Carrey and uh, what was that movie where he becomes God? Yeah, Bruce Almighty, yeah. Yeah, Bruce Almighty. All the pressures of God are starting to fall onto our shoulders. Uh, We create these personal digital kingdoms over which we reign as Lord and Master. We, we actually do function as kings, you know. We decide which ideas will be toler- tolerated. If a heretic comes into our presence, we cancel them and shout them down. <laughs> I mean, we are really exercising all the... Pro- oh, if we need a harem of women to love us, we can find that online. Yeah. And we really... That's another one of the parables that I use is when David the shepherd boy becomes a king, he experiences all the powers and prerogatives of the king, but he also experiences the pressures of a king. And that's what brought him down. And I think that's what we're seeing with a lot of these technologies. We see the benefits, but we don't see the, the pressures that come with it, and we're not handling those well. You talked about screen-free evenings. Um, to, to take a screen fast, whether it's a, a day or a half day, or to take, to, to take a longer period than that, that can be soul cleansing. I mean, people think of that and go, mm-hmm. I could never do that. And then they do it and they come back and go, it kind of reawakened something that I'd forgotten was in there. Well, and, you know, Christians have the perfect example for that, a screen Sabbath. If you want to take Sunday off from your screen, uh, you know, attend worship, see your friends, and then just take the afternoon off, unless your favorite football team is playing, you can make mm-hmm. an exception, but uh, <laughs> at least put the interactive devices down for a day. It is tremendously soul-cleansing to take a day away from your screen and intentionally live in the real world, because that's how God designed us. And that's where everything we really want in life is in the real world. You know, if we want to be in a successful relationship, we have to be in the real world. 
we want to advance in our career, we need to be in the real world. If we want to advance the kingdom of God and tell people about Jesus, we need to do that in the real world. And that's where health is. That's where life is. And so I do recommend a weekly Sabbath from, from screens. And those people who are practicing that, and I can speak as somebody who does that pretty regularly, it's been tremendously helpful. So sell me on the benefits of that. A screen Sabbath for you, how does that, how does that help you? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I just put my, what I do is I put my phone away Saturday night. I pick it back up Sunday night because I've got to get ready for work. But um, so it's like a, a Jewish Sabbath, you know, you get sundown right. to sundown. Right. And um, yeah, how it works is I just simply don't read the news. I don't check my email. Um, the, the exception I do make, I do enjoy NFL football games if my team is playing. Right. And so I will make an exception for, to watch a game. But I'll, but I'll only do that in a recreational, in a sense, and it's, it's not interactive media. It's not really getting my brain up. And I have a pretty good team. They usually win, so I don't get stressed out. So, um, <laughs> but uh, that would be the one exception. I don't, in, the, in the spring and summer, I don't even watch any screen content on Sunday. It's, t- it's time with my wife. It's time. If the phone rings and I get a FaceTime call, I'm going to use that. But, again, that's not the type of screen time that, that you want to uh, preempt. It's that mindless screen time. And, you know, people always say, Dave, what's the first step in conquering your screen time? I can get you to the 50-yard line real quick. Just focus on eliminating that mindless screen time, mm-hmm. turning on your TV when you come in, that those moments at baggage claim when you pick up your phone. If you can just stay in the real world, look around, open your eyes, pray for people around you, you're already halfway to uh, getting healthy with screens. We're talking to David Murrow. His book is called Drowning in Screen Time. If if we don't do something about our screen obsessions, what's going to happen to us, David? Well, we're already seeing the strains relationally. We're seeing the strains in the church. Um, you know, the church has never been more divided than it is right now. And the reason it's getting so divided and so angry and, you know, buying into all sorts of crazy theories is because of what we're seeing on our screens. Hmm. We've never had a platform where people can spread misinformation or half-truths like they can with, with uh, social media. And so, you know, we buy into these things, these crazy ideas, things that may be true or not true, and this deceives people, on, in all, and it sets people in the church apart against each other. Um, you know, if there was a little controversy in a church before, it didn't used to be national news. And yeah. now it's trumpeted endlessly, and so young believers are seeing this, and they're saying, oh, church is all a bunch of hypocrites. Because, you know, every misstep by every pastor is magnified, multiplied by social media. And it's turning people away from, it, from the church uh, because they think that it's this, you know, the church is no more corrupt than it's ever been. We, you know, we had problems in the, in the book of Acts. But because we have this, this megaphone that constantly tells us how bad the church is doing, that, that it's causing people to turn away, and that's going to have a huge impact on society as people go on their own, they get away from Christ, and uh, that's going to, it's going to be a bad scene. This is so helpful. Your book is so helpful. Um, at, at one level, I look at it and go, boy, I need this. And then there's that part of me that goes, yeah, but I just like being able to pull up the phone and play words with friends in a mindless moment. And, you know, I, I gravitate toward those things. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm a hearer of the word, but not necessarily a doer of the word at this point. Uh, but, but I'm so grateful for this, David. Thank you for taking the time out. And I do hope folks will check out the book. It's called Drowning in Screen Time by David Murrow. You can find it wherever you get books. And I hope, I hope you will, as you've listened to this this afternoon, just take a minute and say, like I'm doing, okay, Lord, 
what's my action point from this? Is there something I need to do, do differently, something with our family? Can I take the first step, uh, whether that's a screen-free evening, whether that is putting the rubber band around my wrist and and, uh, snapping it if I mindlessly pick up my phone like we talked about? What's the first step you need to take so that you are not uh, pulled into the undertow of of the metaverse of of the 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 screen you know, portal that takes us to the internet. David, again, thanks for the time. Thanks to all of you who listened this afternoon, and uh, thanks to those of you who dropped off your toys as well. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday for Southern California Live. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.